Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today. How blessed we are to have this opportunity each day to come together, open up God's Word, and study a little bit further. Learn a little bit more. Dig a little bit deeper. Peel the layers of the onion back, so to speak, as I keep saying. Try to dig deep and look at it in detail. And yet at the same time, we try to explain it in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for our daily lives. We really want to help you grow in your faith. As we keep emphasizing, the scriptures tell us how faith develops. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Or more succinctly, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So as we get into God's word on a daily basis, we should be growing in our faith. Our faith should become stronger and stronger and deeper and deeper and fuller and fuller. We should be coming to a greater understanding of what God's word is really saying and thereby what his will is for our lives because he communicates his will to us through his word. And so we want to help you get to heaven. Now you need to have that faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Jesus said, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. John 8 and verse 24. So growing in our faith is absolutely essential to our eternal salvation, our eternal life. We want to help you get to heaven. We want to do that by helping you grow in your faith. And that comes by helping you understand God's word more fully and that comes by studying his word continually. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 15. Be diligent, or the King James Version translates it, study. <clears throat> be diligent to present yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So as you come to understand fully enough what you need to do, that you need to come to God through Jesus Christ, his Son, your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in him openly, and surrendering to him in baptism, so the blood that he shed on the cross can cleanse you of the guilt of your sins, and you can be reborn spiritually, then you need to be taking that step. We'd love to help you with that even further. At the end of the program, we'll tell you how to contact us. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready, jot down that information, and then follow through. Contact us. Ask for the free Bible study that we always offer, and we say free. Now that includes, we'll take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask for it. We'll send it to you, and it will walk you through a, an easy-to-understand but a fairly detailed study of what we need to do in order to come to God through Christ for salvation and then live the faithful and dedicated Christian life. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD, again for free, and we'll take care of the postage. So jot down that information and then contact us. Now we also want to encourage you to encourage others to listen to this program. I know that people's schedules are not always in sync with when these programs are broadcast, even though they're broadcast several times a day, going into the even the wee hours of the morning, but there's another way that people can access these programs. You can go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. 
scroll down on the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcastings. It is free. It will always be free. And I emphasize that. It will always be free. When you sign up for our podcasts, you receive all of our sermons, all of our Bible studies, a a great daily, about a 12-minute Bible study called Today's Bible Class, and that gets us into God's Word every day, helps keep us focused on our spiritual lives. And then you receive all of these radio programs as well. And again, they'll automatically go to your device, whichever smart device you choose. Your smartphone, your computer, your laptop, a tablet, a pad, whatever it might be. And it will always be free. It'll be automatic. So tell people to sign up for that. And you could do that yourself as well. Again, churchofchrist.com. We're going to get back into our study, talking about two opposing forces in our lives. Those two forces are always there. One of those, obviously, is God. God is the positive force. He's always there. He's motivated to keep trying to lead us in his will out of love for us. Well, the obvious opposing force is the devil himself, Satan. And he is always trying to lead us away from God. He's always trying to deceive us, lies to us through temptations and different kinds of what seem to be alluring uh, alluring kind of attractions that ultimately lead us into sin and our own self-destruction for all of eternity. God wants us to be with him in heaven forever. He has created us in his, in his image with a soul. And that soul is an eternal part of our being. The devil wants to lead us into eternal condemnation and destruction in hell. We've talked about what Jesus said, distinguishing between the two ultimate destinations, and there are only two possibilities. It's going to be either heaven or hell. We're going to follow either God or we're going to follow the devil. There's no third choice. There's no middle of the road. Some people say, well, you know, I know what I need to do, but I haven't made up my mind yet. Oh, yes, you have. You've made up your mind to follow the devil. If you have not made up your mind to follow God and take those steps necessary, you are automatically following the devil. Because again, there is no middle road. There's, new, there's no ground of neutrality. You, it's either or, one or the other. And you make your choice every day. Now, God, again, his leading is motivated by love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and verse 16. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The devil's motivation is hatred. Hatred. Hates God. Hates Christ. Hates the church. He hates the idea of people being in heaven with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit for all of eternity. And he desires and he works so hard at trying to lead people away from that blessed, that blessed ultimate home in heaven to a place of absolute utter destruction, desolation, torment. And that's hell itself. We talked about how 
the devil one day will be consigned to hell, the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. We also noted that anyone whose name is not written in the book of life will also end up in the lake of fire, the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, and that's hell itself. Referred to in, in Revelation 21 and verse 8 as the second death, or we can understand it as eternal death, but not the understanding that the person, that the soul actually dies and ceases to exist, but no, the ongoing agony and torment and suffering of dying forever and ever and ever. Nobody should want that, and nobody should be that careless with their souls. Love or hate, which is it? Which is it in your life? Is your life a, love of, a, a life of love or hate? What is the motivating, the driving, the directing force behind the way you live your life every day? Is it the love of God? Or is it you're following the devil who really, bottom line, hates you and wants to lead you to eternal destruction? Remember how the apostle Peter portrayed the devil in uh, 1 Peter chapter, chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9. He said he's like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. We looked at a number of passages of scripture that portray the contrast between the two forces, God in his love for us, wanting to lead us to heaven, and the devil, absolute evil, wanting to lead us through hatred to eternal condemnation in hell. In his love, God again sent his son to go to the cross as our savior, to die thereon as the perfect payment or sacrifice for the guilt of our sins, the sins of all mankind for all time. And God, and we finished up at this particular text of scripture last time, Jesus, when he was ready to go to the cross, and we're looking at one of the longer immediate contexts of scripture in the entire New Testament, John chapters 13 through 17, Jesus is with the apostles in the upper room. It's the night of his betrayal. The next day he would be on the cross. He's giving them some final instructions, spending some final time with them before he goes to the cross. He institutes what we understand today as the Lord's Supper, commemorating, memorializing his death on the cross, but also telling the world he's coming back again, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But be, before he went to Gethsemane that night, before he was taken prisoner by the Jewish authorities, he told the apostles, he gave them a new commandment. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, he said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This was not a suggestion. It was not just a good idea. It was not a really good teaching. He gave this particular instruction by way of commandment, a new commandment I give to you. The life of a Christian should be a life that is evidenced by love, love for God first and foremost, 
love also for our brothers and sisters, other true Christians, our true brothers and sisters in Christ, but also love for mankind in general. We need to love the lost. We need to love them enough to try to lead them to salvation and eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now, this kind of love, love that Jesus was commanding on that day, well, we look at a congregation in Thessalonica. As Paul writes the First Thessalonians letter, and he lets us know, he lets them know, he commends them for the fact that they had learned this lesson. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, we read this, Paul writing to the Thessalonian Christians. He said, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. So Paul commends them. He said, I don't even need to write to you about this particular subject, about brotherly love, because you've already been taught that. And not only have you been taught, but you're following through. You're loving in that way. You're doing that. And so much so that toward, you, do, you do so toward all the, the, the brethren who are in Macedonia. And, but we still urge you. He says, but we still urge you, increase in this. Do better and better. Increase your love more and more. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4, he revisits this issue in his second letter to them. And again, look at the, the commendation he gives them. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is, fit, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward one another. Their faith was growing. Now, they were students of the word, obviously. And they were not just intellectual believers, but they were putting their faith into action through dedicated, consistent obedience and service to God through Christ. So he says, your faith grows exceedingly. And what an expressive adverb that is. And, but not just their faith. And the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. It's not just there at a surface level. Their love abounded toward each other. And then verse 4, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So Paul says, we boast among you, or boast of you, among other congregations because of your patience, because of your faith, in the face of persecutions and tribulations that you're enduring. And I think we're to understand that that was on an ongoing basis. They were enduring persecutions and tribulations, and yet their faith was still abounding. Their love was still abounding. So much so that Paul commends them for that and says, we boast of you among other congregations. Well, that congregation of Christians, they got the message. When we turn to 1 John chapter 3, John writes a great deal in this first letter that he pens as an, an inspired writer of God's word, 
guided by the Holy Spirit to write what he was writing, he writes a great deal about both keeping the commandments and also loving the brethren. He connects those together repeatedly in these short five chapters. When we look at 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, we read this. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Now there's those two opposing forces again. Two opposing forces. One, absolute goodness. God, motivated to bless us and guide us out of love for us. The other, absolute evil, motivated and guided to try to pull us away from God and into eternal destruction through hatred. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest or are obvious or made apparent, recognizable. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Now, do you see the connection between keeping the commandments and loving our brothers and sisters in Christ? In verse 11, he goes on and says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should love one another. And then when you look down at verse 14, he visits this issue again directly. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You see, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ is not an option. It's a commandment. And because it's a commandment, John repeatedly connects it with keeping the commandments, keeping the teachings of God and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the fourth chapter of 1 John, verses 7 and 8, John goes on and he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now you talk about a direct statement on the absolute responsibility and necessity to love our brothers and sisters in Christ and to love in general. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then when you look at, at verse 11 in this fourth chapter, he goes on and says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, how much did God love us? Does God love us? In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins or to die on that cross for us so that through him we could be forgiven and counted righteous by God. Oh, yes, God expects us, not just urges us, not just teaches us. He expects us to genuinely love one another. When we think about the example that we're supposed to be as Christians to the world around us, Jesus put it very vividly, graphically, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. In verse 13, he said, 
you are the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Okay, we're the salt of the earth. That's what we're supposed to be. Now, what is salt for? It's to season. It's to preserve. It's to make things better. We're supposed to make the world better because of our Christian influence through the way we live our lives. But he goes on in verse 14 and he says, Also, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. As Christians, we're supposed to be shining lights of God and Christ. Shining lights of Christianity. The world is engulfed in the darkness of sin. And when we think about that, we could compare that to the darkness of hell which is described as being utter darkness, utter darkness, absolute darkness. The world is lost in the darkness of sin. We need to be the shining lights to show people who are lost in sin the way to forgiveness and redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be those lights, the lights of Christianity, In verse 16, Jesus went on and said, Let your light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We're supposed to be shining forth on purpose and with purpose the lights of Christianity through our lives. The light of God, the light of Christ in us. That's our responsibility. Now next time, As we finish up this study, we're going to talk about the other side, the other opposing force, and the motive behind that, and that's the hatred of the devil. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us so much and teaching us about love, and thank you through your Son for for, for teaching us that we are responsible to love one another. Please, Help us to love openly and effectively and pointedly so that the world around us can see your love in us, the love and the light of Christianity through our lives, and then thereby we can be powerful influences to lead them into that light of forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. Please guide us and help us and bless us in this. Please, we pray, Father, please. And please forgive us, gracious Father. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.